The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. No one compares to Jesus. That's my disclaimer right up front. But today, I want to look at the character, the favor of God, and the impact of one of the Old Testament's greatest personalities and the amazing parallels between his life and that of Jesus. Hello, welcome to the program as we study the life and character of Joseph in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. I'll be comparing his storyline to Jesus, the Messiah, in the New Testament. You see, more space is devoted in Genesis to Joseph than to any of the other patriarchs. Unlike many of the Bible characters, and the Bible certainly doesn't whitewash its heroes, Joseph's record is squeaky clean. Bible scholars have rightly said that Joseph's nobility of character, his purity of heart and life, is one of the best Bible heroes to study and to emulate. So let's begin with the fact that Joseph was the firstborn son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel, and therefore he was the beloved son of his father, Jacob. But Jacob didn't act very wisely by showing favoritism to Joseph and by giving Joseph a special coat of many colors. Such a beautiful garment was bound to evoke jealousy from Joseph's half-brothers, who were the sons of Jacob's other wife, Leah, and the sons of the handmaidens of Leah and Rachel. In the Bible, dreams were taken very seriously. And one day, Joseph started sharing his dreams of his future destiny, which only provoked his brothers to further jealousy. They hated him so much that they couldn't even say shalom to him. Now, when Joseph was 17, his brothers plotted against his life while they were pasturing their flocks. They threw Joseph into a pit and refused to listen to his cries while they ate a meal and decided what to do with him. Can you imagine the thoughts of agony that went through his mind? Eventually, because of a passing caravan, his brother sold him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver, and they stripped him of his beautiful robe and deceived their father by showing Jacob the coat dipped in blood. They broke their father's heart by claiming that Joseph had been devoured by a wild animal. They had sprinkled the blood of a goat on Joseph's robe. Well, you might think that such evil and harsh treatment would have turned Joseph into a bitter and hopeless young man. But let's understand the power of divine dreams. Dreams from God are highly important to keep us focused and on track, even when we're subjected to the most perplexing and hurtful circumstances. 
God had given Joseph two powerful, epic dreams, promising rulership big time. In one dream, Joseph had seen his family's harvest sheaves bowing down to his sheaf. That was surely a portent of things to come in time of famine. And in another more spectacular dream, Joseph saw the sun, the moon, and 11 stars representing the house of Israel, all bowing down to him. Well, Genesis chapter 37 and verse 11 tells us that Joseph's brothers envied him, but his father Jacob kept the saying. Although Jacob had rebuked Joseph for grandiose dreams, nevertheless, Jacob literally, it says, kept the word. It's so fascinating that the Greek Septuagint translation of this verse uses the same expression as found later in the Gospels. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, one of my favorite verses, where it says that Jesus' mother Mary kept all of these sayings, all the prophecies about Jesus in her heart. This teaches us that even parents can be stewards of their children's dreams. But be careful with whom you share your dreams. Keep your dreams to draw upon when you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. The prophet Daniel, for example, was also shown awesome visions. He said he was deeply troubled, but he kept the matter to himself. So perhaps Joseph should have kept his dreams to himself. But by sharing his future with his brothers, Joseph, in fact, actually put the plan of God into action. You see, he was actually sent by God to Egypt because that was the Lord's plan. God puts dreams within us to sustain us during hard times. And one of my favorite scriptures is found in Psalm 105, which I've often meditated upon because it states, it states that God sent a man before them. Joseph was sold for a servant. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in chains of iron until the time that his word or dream came to pass. The word of the Lord tried or tested him. This Psalm 105 mentions the chains of Joseph. And in Hebrew, the phrase literally means that the word of the Lord put iron into Joseph's soul. Isn't that marvelous? When spiritual iron is transferred by the Holy Spirit of God into our souls, we become invincible and strengthened. But without God's presence, we're still nothing. So the Genesis account says that God was with Joseph in Egypt. And when God is with you, there's a supernatural ability to endure hardness. There's a supernatural peace communicated by the Holy Spirit that otherwise is just unexplainable. Well, moving on, Genesis 39 tells us that Joseph was sold to an important Egyptian named Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Joseph was industrious and trustworthy, so he soon became overseer of Potiphar's household. Even Potiphar noticed that God was with him. Now, being the son of Rachel, 
who was a beautiful woman. Joseph, the Bible says, was very handsome. And so Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. But Joseph resisted out of faithfulness to Potiphar and to God. Don't forget that Joseph lives before the Ten Commandments were written in stone. But even then, Joseph knew it would be wrong to commit adultery. And since he spurned Potiphar's wife's advances and he even fled from her, the scorned woman lied and exacted revenge by accusing him of rape. Now Joseph finds himself in prison for a crime he didn't commit. But again, the Bible tells us that God was with him in prison. And Joseph soon becomes the overseer again of everyone in prison. He maintained his integrity at all times. And while in prison, he used his skill to interpret dreams of prisoners who were part of the household of the Egyptian king Pharaoh. And one of the prisoners who was set free promised to remember Joseph and quickly forgot. But God was always remembering and watching Joseph. So never forget that God watches you even when it looks like the whole world has totally forgotten you. Now in Genesis chapter 40, as the story progresses, the time of Joseph's testing came to an end. You see, God knows when your time of testing is completed. And we do have to be tested to be able to handle authority and leadership. Joseph is finally remembered and called before Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's disturbing dreams. And Joseph provides God's answer to save Egypt from a future famine. Now suddenly at age 30, after 13 years of oppression and waiting, Joseph is exalted to rule over Egypt. He's given a wife. And he has two sons who become two biblical patriarchs, Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh means caused to forget. So for a while, Joseph forgot the pain of his father's household. Now Joseph is second in command in Egypt. And imagine this turn of events from being a slave to second in command right under Pharaoh. And before his chariot, the runners exclaimed, make way make way. Now observe how Joseph allowed God to vindicate him. With all of his newfound wealth, he didn't send the message back to Canaan saying, look at me, family, I'm alive and I'm now the viceroy of Egypt. No, the majesty of Joseph is just awesome. And eventually God's plan and purpose come to pass. Joseph is reunited with his family by God's orchestration. It happened this way. His brothers come to Egypt seeking food because there was a great famine. And Joseph had wisely, because of Pharaoh's dreams, set up granaries. His brethren are now desperate for food. And they unknowingly fulfill Joseph's dream about the sheaves by bowing low before him. Joseph recognizes his brothers, but they don't recognize him. And through a series of dramatic encounters over a period of time to test their loyalty, Joseph speaks harshly and 
speaks roughly to them and puts them in prison, accuses them of being spies and tests them to see if his brothers are repentant and if they wouldn't harm his younger beloved brother, Benjamin, the second son of his mother, Rachel. And over a period of time, Joseph becomes satisfied that they have changed. When Jacob's sons learn that their savior is actually their brother Joseph in disguise, they are horrified. They are afraid. Surely they assume Joseph must have revenge in his heart. But Joseph falls on their necks and cries. He reassures his brothers that he's forgiven them. And he provides for them for the remainder of their lives in the land of Goshen in Egypt. And in Genesis chapter 50 in verse 20, Joseph says some of the most beautiful words in the Bible. He says to his brother, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to preserve many lives. So we see that Joseph was unwilling to become bitter by hatred and betrayal. He was willing to forgive and he had the grace to see the bigger picture. Now Joseph's story gives us many valuable lessons, but let's look at some of the prophetic aspects of how Joseph's life foreshadowed the Messiah. There are more than a hundred fascinating parallels between Joseph, the beloved son of Jacob, who was a type of the Savior, and Jesus, the Son of God. We have time only to mention some of them in this program. Genesis says that Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his children. And in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, God the Father testified of his only begotten son, Jesus. He said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Joseph's brothers hated and envied him, and the brethren of Jesus also hated him without cause. They were envious of his miracles, his authoritative teachings, and his popularity with the common folk. The Gospel of Mark in chapter 15 and verse 10 says that Jesus was delivered unto death because the chief priests envied him. And here's another parallel. By his dreams, Joseph knew one day he would rule. And Jesus also knew his destiny in the visionary realm. Because before the Sanhedrin in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 64, Jesus quoted the book of Daniel concerning himself. He said, you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven with great glory. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. And so both Joseph and Jesus were ridiculed for being dreamers and visionaries. Both Joseph and Jesus were shepherds. Jesus was called in the Gospels the Good Shepherd. And on the day that Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold as a slave, he had ventured into the fields seeking his brethren. Jesus was sent by God on behalf of his brethren, the lost sheep of Israel, to seek them, and also other sheep outside of the fold. As Joseph was rejected by his brethren, so Jesus was rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Both Joseph and Jesus were stripped of their robes, 
Joseph when he was sold as a slave, and Jesus when he was crucified. Joseph was thrown into a pit, and Jesus spent the night before his crucifixion in a dungeon. Joseph was sold for silver into the hands of Gentiles, an Ishmaelite caravan for 20 pieces of silver. And Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and put into the hands of the Gentiles, the Roman executioners. Joseph was raised up out of the pit, and Jesus was raised again on the third day from the pit of the grave, according to the scriptures. In Egypt, Joseph became a servant. Jesus was the servant king who took upon himself the form of a servant. Although he was a king descended from David, Jesus said he came to serve, and he demonstrated this humble attitude by healing the sick and washing the feet of his disciples. I shared with you how Joseph resisted temptation with Potiphar's wife, and in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, in verse 15, it declares that Jesus was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. That means every kind of temptation we'll ever have, Jesus has already been there and overcome the temptation for us, and he shows us the way of escape. Just as Joseph was falsely accused, so was Jesus. Crucified as a common criminal, Jesus was numbered like Joseph with the transgressors. But there came a time in the providence of God when Joseph was vindicated and promoted to honor and great glory. Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name, which scholars say means Savior of the world. People by law had to bow down to Joseph and run before his chariot, saying, Make way. The parallel is that Jesus has also been exalted. And Philippians chapter 2, some of the greatest verses in the New Testament, verses 9 to 11, say that God has also highly exalted Jesus and given him a name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, it's always been fascinating to me that when Joseph's family came down to Egypt, they didn't recognize him. Jesus said the same thing to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 9. He said, Have I been such a long time with you, and yet you haven't known me? Jesus was God in the flesh, the Messiah himself, but so many didn't recognize him, even at times his closest disciples. Well, Joseph's brothers were greatly distressed when they recognized Joseph, and the prophetic parallel is found in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, which prophesies of the future house of Israel. They shall look upon me, this is speaking of Jesus, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn and be in bitterness for him as over a firstborn son. Now, I've discovered some fascinating things in this Bible study that I'd not seen previously, and that's what's so wonderful about Bible study, because God is always showing us something new, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. 
Joseph maintained his cool and he didn't reveal his identity to his brothers right away, but he sent them on journeys back to the promised land and he allowed them to suffer a period of tribulation to prove them. I believe this corresponds prophetically to the end time Jacob's trouble that's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah chapter 30 in verse 7. Even though the God of Israel has made a binding covenant of love with his people Israel, he will allow them to go through tribulation before their reconciliation with Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name for Jesus. At the moment of revelation in the book of Genesis, Joseph stood up and cried to his brothers, I am Joseph whom you sold. Someday Jesus, Yeshua, will tear off his disguise and exclaim to Israel, I am your brother Joseph, known to the rabbis as Messiah ben Yosef. He will say, I'm not only Messiah ben David, son of David, I'm also Messiah the son of David. I am Jesus whom you sold into the hands of the Gentiles. Can you imagine for Joseph's brother, the shock was unbelievable. And the shock will be just as great when Israel finally recognizes Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah. Imagine Joseph in his Gentile Egyptian garb. His brothers couldn't recognize him in that getup. And the church for the past 2,000 years has been tragically deprived of its Hebraic roots. And so Jesus is simply unrecognizable to most Jews with all of the pagan trappings and traditions in the church. Well, I'm running out of time, and here are some more deep insights about Joseph and Jesus that I've discovered in my studies. In Genesis chapter 37, Joseph's prized robe was sprinkled with goat's blood and was presented to his father Jacob. Jesus is our scapegoat, and his sacrificial blood from the cross was presented to the Father in heaven as a sin offering to fulfill the Torah in the book of Leviticus. When he was falsely accused and put in prison in Egypt, Joseph attempted no defense of himself. And likewise, Jesus gave no defense at his trials, but instead he trusted his destiny to God alone. Joseph was innocent of the crime he was accused of, and when Jesus was brought before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to be sentenced to death, Pilate washed his hands in public. Jesus was indeed innocent, and Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Joseph won the respect of his jailer in Genesis 39, and Jesus won the respect of the Roman centurion who stood guard at the cross. In fact, the centurion was a witness of all the things that happened, including the forgiveness that Jesus extended to all from the cross. And so the centurion rightly testified of Jesus, surely this had to be the Son of God. Joseph was seated on the throne of another ruler. Likewise, Jesus today and throughout all of eternity shares the throne of his Father in heaven. It's been said that as Joseph shared the throne of Pharaoh today, our Lord Jesus shares the throne of his father.
as Joseph ruled over Pharaoh's house with his word, so today our Lord Jesus rules over the Father's kingdom. And as Joseph ruled over Pharaoh's house with his word, so today our Lord Jesus rules over the Father's household, the household of faith. Well, isn't it interesting that Joseph was 30 years old when he began his ministry and Jesus was 30 years old when he began his public ministry? Joseph became a savior figure for all the peoples to buy grain. And Jesus is the savior of the world as the bread of life. Joseph was unknown and unrecognized by his brethren, just as Jesus today is not yet recognized by his Jewish brethren. To them, he is dead, long gone. As one of my Orthodox Jewish friends said on Facebook, Jesus is a non-player in mainstream Judaism today. You see, Jesus is just not on their radar screen. Joseph's brothers surely thought that Joseph was dead long time ago and forgotten. They had no idea that Joseph had been, in fact, exalted as governor of Egypt. Likewise, today, Jews, for the most part, believe Jesus to be dead, and they don't yet know that he has been exalted by God as Lord. However, Joseph recognized and knew his brethren, and so also Jesus still recognizes, loves, and watches over the house of Israel. And I guarantee you, according to this prophetic pattern, a great reunion is coming in the future when the risen, resurrected Lord Jesus reveals himself to his brethren, the Jews. The end from the beginning can be found in this type and shadow in the book of Genesis, in the story of Joseph. Aren't you glad that God has let you in on his secrets? Aren't you glad that God is not finished with the Jewish people and that he has brought them home to Israel again in these last days for the culmination of history and for a grand reunion? Soon Jesus will return to Israel as the Lion of Judah. And like Joseph, Jesus will no longer be seen as a Gentile living in a foreign land married to a foreign wife. I hope all of these insights have been helpful and Thank you for watching this edition of Exploits. I want you to know that we have other programs available to you 24-7 on our website, where you can also request your free online copy of our newsletter, Exploits. I'd like to send you a copy, and you can watch this program again at any time, 24-7. Until next time, Contending for the Faith, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. Something prophetic, something biblical and surely significant is always happening here in the city of the great king in Jerusalem, the worship capital of the world. We want to thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem channel and for faithfully supporting it. It's because of your support that we're able to bring vital insights in these last days. And we especially want to remind you to receive your free copy of our Exploits Ministry magazine. You can receive it by going 24-7 to our website at exploits.tv. And in the United States, we have a toll-free number. Also in the UK, we have a telephone number so that you can send us your comments, which I always enjoy reading 
and your prayer request. I want to pray for you here in the City of the Great King. So please stay in touch with me via Twitter, Facebook, or our website. Blessing you from the City of the Great King. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.